0: i'm ezra fieldsmeyer
1: and i'm casey cantrell
0: and welcome to animation and beyond
1: and we are continuing our animation april series on the different eras of disney animation and on this episode we are talking about the renaissance era
0: yes the era where they did some of their best most successful and some of their most well-loved movies today Like Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin and the Lion King.
1: Yeah, this is probably the era that most people are most familiar with uh, because it's also when probably Disney was at its most successful, too. But before we get into all of that, let's answer last week's trivia question, which was a, a clip And I'll play it here again. All right, now, kid, loosen up. Get real loose and then start to weave. Weave a little. Now move. That's it. Now give me a big bear growl. Scare me. (laughs) Oh, boy. I'm talking about like a big bear. So the question was, could you name this movie? And as we'll soon talk about, the voice actor. So, Ezra, what is the answer to the the trivia question.
0: It was Baloo, the bear from the Jungle Book, known for his signature song, from, we, that classic song we all know as Bear Necessities. And he was voiced by actor and comedian and singer Bill Harris. He also voiced Little John in, in Robin Hood, another bear who, who really resembles Baloo, and Thomas O'Malley in the Aristocats, and a 1991 animated film that wasn't Disney that was his last film before he retired and later passed away called rock
1: Funny that you mentioned that uh, his character of Little John in Robin Hood looks similar because there, there are cases where animators will just reuse clips from old movies and modify them slightly to fit their movie. So there, You can actually go on YouTube and find clips showing where the people who made Robin Hood actually used clips; just pulled them straight from the Jungle Book.
0: (laughs) It's called recycled animation. There have been a lot of other films they like from older ones, and they reused in later movies.
1: Yeah, because the thing is, we haven't necessarily talked about this much, but animation is really hard, and it takes a lot of time. So, if you can get away with just reusing a clip from an other uh, from another movie that already exists. Then why not? It's going to save you time, save you money, let you be able to work on other scenes that will require more attention. Recycled
0: animation is an interesting technique.
1: Okay, so that was the answer to last week's trivia question. So stick around to the end of the episode to get the next one. For now, let's do our feature presentation. <laughs>
0: It started in 1989, which Disney's pre-Renaissance film they did, their two would be The Great Mouse Detective and Oliver and Company, which we talked about in our last episode about the Dark Age. And those were like the two that saved the studio.
1: And so the Renaissance era was a chance for Disney to expand on that success. And oh boy, did they certainly do that.
0: And the first of them they did of the Renaissance is one of their beloved classic films we all know as The Little Mermaid.
1: Mm-hmm. Which, as we mentioned in a previous episode, was their first fairy tale film. And by that, we mean a movie adapted from a fairy tale since uh, Sleeping Beauty,
0: I believe. Yes, and it was based on the Hans Christian Andersen fairy tale.
1: Yeah, and I think in a lot of ways it was a return to form to the those kind of movies, to Snow White, Sleeping Beauty, those kind of older, more traditional films. It also introduced us to some new, more modern elements that you would see in these other films, uh, specifically the infusion of different cultural Artistic forms, and I'm thinking of like the reggae music,
0: like Under the Sea, like the iconic song we all know and remember. What you for under the sea? Under the sea, darling, it's better down where it Take it from me, the shore, they were day-
1: Exactly. So I I, I think it's interesting to see it because obviously a lot of the elements of this movie is really traditional. But other elements are very modern, and and sort of <laughs> recognize the world as a as a more diverse place. And I think that that really presages what's to come.
0: Yes, yes, it was all about Ariel, the main character, who's a young mermaid who lives under the sea and dreams of being on land and of being a human. And she falls in love with a prince named Eric. And we also remember her best friend Flounder and scuttle that really hilarious and funny seagull.
1: This this film really set the tone and also the people behind it would have a very outsized impact on the rest of this era.
0: John Musker and Ron Clements.
1: They worked on the the Great Mouse Detective.
0: Yes, and this film is one of the most beloved and um, considered among the greatest of classic animated movies.
1: Although there has been a lot of pushback against it because what people say is a very sexist depiction of what's the character of Ariel is willing to give up for quote unquote love.
0: I know. And she is forced to give her voice to the evil sea witch Ariel to become human. I remember.
1: Yeah, exactly. So there there has been some pushback in regards to that. And that's something actually we'll be talking about with a couple of these films. But before we get to that, let's get to the next film.
0: This one is is the follow-up and sequel to one not many people even know. It's The Rescuers Down Under, and it's the direct sequel to Disney's lesser-known classic film, The Rescuers.
1: Yeah, this is probably the anomaly of the bunch that we're going to be talking about today, just because nobody knows about it today. No, certainly nobody remembers it, so it's just kind and of... It-
0: it's just kind of there. And it's the only film of the Disney renaissance that isn't a musical. But then after that is what everyone knows. Yes. Beauty and the Beast.
1: Yes, and this one really made a lot of history for a lot of different reasons. It was the first animated feature to be nominated for a Best Picture in the Oscars.
0: I know, and it was one of their first to use 3D computer-generated imagery, which the technology they used at the time... For these films, is called Cap's Computerized Imagery.
1: Yeah, and that's that's worth mentioning because uh, soon enough, we'll see there's another studio that would soon become part of the Disney umbrella that was making waves using CGI to make animated films.
0: That is Pixar, which developed that technology then.
1: (laughs) They were not part of Disney yet but they were making waves,
0: certainly. They were a much smaller thing than before they made Toy Story. But Beauty and the Beast has won many awards and is regarded as one of the very best ever made, thanks to its unforgettable music and and funny characters and wonderful love story.
1: So, of course, that would be hard to top for any studio, but... The next couple of films that came after it were very, very much successful in their own right. Aladdin,
0: which was released in 1992 and which we've talked about a lot before, is based on Aladdin and the Magic Lamp from 1001 and One Nights, a famous ancient story. And it had wonderful, funny characters and great music and the hilarious, funny and memorable characters such as the late Robin Williams. Genie, Iago, Jafar, Jafar's bad-tempered parrot sidekick, and Abu, that Aladdin's bunny and mischievous monkey friend. Oh, and also Raja, J- Jasmine's tiger.
1: And then the next film, which was, at least in terms of the box office, the most successful animated film of the 20th century period, not just for Disney, but for any film, is, of course, The Lion King.
0: Yes, I know the. It was it grossed lots of money. It was a big success with its wonderful, memorable music. We all remember such as the Circle of Life, I Just Can't Wait to Be King, Akuna Matata, Can You Feel the Love Tonight, and with such unforgettable, funny characters like Rafiki, Zazu, Pumbaa, Timon, and the hyenas.
1: It's an interesting film because, uh, especially these last two films, these were obviously Aladdin is set in kind of an undefined location, but somewhere in the Middle East. The Lion King, of course, is set in Africa. And I think in a lot of ways, these are the first two films that really kind of went outside the the typical formula of very Eurocentric or American-centered stories and, and ventured out from that.
0: I know, and it was The Lion King, unlike the previous three major ones they did, which had the music by Alan this the music of this one was done by Hans Zimmer and had some of the songs by the legendary singer Sir Elton John. And it was based on uh, Hamlet.
1: Yeah, Shakespeare's Hamlet, although there has been some pushback about that. Um, I know one of my friends is adamant that that's not the case, but that is very common claim.
0: But it was also influenced by biblical stories of Joseph and Moses.
1: Yeah, totally. I can totally see that. So yeah, that marks, uh, I guess you could really divide the Renaissance era into two halves. There's this first half, which encompasses all the films that we've talked about. Hugely successful, incredible films all around. And then there's the second half, which is a bit more, I'd say, a bit more hit and miss.
0: Yes, I know. And it has some cultural depictions. And the first of the second half was Pocahontas,
1: Mm -hmm. which is probably of all the films that we're talking about today, the one that has gotten the most pushback specifically for its depiction of Native Americans and the conflict between Native Americans and pilgrims.
0: Yeah, I know. And it was based on Pocahontas, who's a Native American legend, who was a young woman from Virginia.
1: Yeah, the historical figure of Pocahontas, um, who is very, very different from the Pocahontas depicted in the film. The real, actual, historical Pocahontas was a child at Mm. the time of, of when this movie is set. The animated version of Pocahontas is much older.
0: I know, and it isn't completely historically accurate, but it does have some really good fun music, like just around the river bend, and Colors of the Wind were such wonderful songs, and Colors of the Wind won an Academy Award for Best Original Song. Right. And it also had some funny characters, too, like Percy... The evil Governor Ratcliffe's pug and Miko and Blit, Pocahontas's animal friends.
1: I also think it it marked a uh, a turn for Disney where they wanted to, um, obviously not to say that the other films didn't have their dark moments. Obviously, The Lion King features one of the most traumatic character deaths in any animated. It also,
0: film. Obviously, it was all remember,
1: but but I do think that. With Pocahontas and the next film that we'll be talking about, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, these two films take much darker turns. There's not necessarily as many, I guess you could call it Disney moments of like light, silly, funny kind of moments as as there were in previous films.
0: Hunchback of Notre Dame was one of Disney's darker and more mature movies, and it's based on it's based on Victor Hugo's famous dark tragedy and novel. It was about Quasimodo, who was a deformed outcast who was ostracized and came into society and everyone made fun of him at first, but then he became a hero and everyone loved him. And the the film that came between Hunchback and the came between Pocahontas and the Hunchback of Notre Dame happened to be Disney Pixar's first film and the first computer-animated movie, Toy Story, which was a critical and commercial success and was the first feature movie of Pixar in the first fully computer animated, which doesn't count as one of the Disney Renaissance movies, but it was released during the time of this era.
1: Yeah, it's definitely worth mentioning that, it, that this is happening right now, and, and we will soon be seeing a shift away from traditional animation that is marked by these different eras towards the CGI animation that's really taken over today. But going back to the films of the Renaissance era, we have... Three that kind of to me stand out as their own kind of films in different ways
0: i know like hercules that one was based on the greek mythological hero hercules and it was a funny and comedic take on her on greek myths and it had bunny in hilarious moments and wonderful catchy songs like zero to hero and it had also had hades one of disney's most comical and funny villains.
1: <laughs> yeah, the depiction of Hades as like kind of a smarmy, sarcastic know-it-all is uh, was a fantastic choice.
0: It was also directed by John Musker and Ron Clements, who previously directed Aladdin and The Little Mermaid.
1: And it was their last one in this era? Yes. The last two of this era would be made by by different people.
0: I know, Mulan, which we mentioned before, which got a remake Recently, based on the Chinese legend, Hua Mulan, which in this version the protagonist and main character is is named Fa Mulan.
1: And like we said, like you said, Ezra, uh, we've talked about this actually pretty recently, so if you want to learn more about that, just give that episode a listen.
0: And it had good music in it too, really fun and catchy songs and funny characters. And released between Mulan and their where next we're gonna talk about Tarzan was a Bug's Life, Disney Pixar's second movie. And it was a really fun and clever, colorful film with talking bugs.
1: And the last film of the Renaissance era is Tarzan.
0: Tarzan, yes. And it was based on, based on the classic novel Tarzan of the Apes by Edgar Rice Burroughs. And it was a funny and comedic take on it about a man named Tarzan who was raised by apes. And it was, had music by Phil Collins. And it had his funny animal friends like Turk, the gorilla, and Tantor, the the paranoid elephant. It also had Jane, a woman, an explorer, who came to the jungle he fell in love with. And she was working with a greedy and evil man who wanted to kill the apes and make money named Clayton. And Tarzan learns that that his real kind out there, that he's actually a human.
1: Yeah, so... uh... Tarzan, of all these films, is the one, besides the Rescuer sequel, is the one that's probably the most forgotten of these films that
0: we've talked about. Oh, I forgot to mention, Tarzan also came out the same year as Toy Story 2, the second Toy Story movie, and Pixar's third movie.
1: Oh, good to know. Yeah, so a lot of these films from the Renaissance era, there's a reason it's called the Renaissance era. It was a hugely successful era and really established, I think, Disney as the modern day animation powerhouse that it is still to this day. Um, It's 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 due a lot of credit to this era.
0: And the next episode, we're going to talk about the the second Dark Age, which would be called the Experimental Age. And then the Revival Age, where Disney had once again restored its former glory. (laughs)
1: Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate your time. If you like what we do, consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash animation and beyond. In the meantime, let's get a trivia question from Ezra.
0: The Little Mermaid ends with a happy ending where Ariel marries Prince Eric. But Hans Christian Andersen original story had a darker and sadder ending. How did the original story end?
1: Okay, so if you know the answer, give us a shout on Facebook or send us an email at animationandbeyond at gmail.com. Thank you for
0: listening, and we'll see you on the next episode of Animation and Beyond. Bye! See you later!